Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Be sure to check out our merch store, onthefinside.threadless.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. It is a short week. The Dolphins play the Texans on Thursday night football. Texans are coming off a four-game win streak, and so we're really running up uh, an escalator this week to get ready for this. We're joined by Matt Weston from the Battle Red blog. He's been kind enough to join us to give some insight from the Houston Texans sideline. You can follow his website, Battle Red blog, as well as his Twitter handle, MBW987 on Twitter. He's also coming out with a preview of this game, six things to watch for on the Battle Red blog. So Matt, the Texans have won four in a row and after an 0-3 start, you turn around a month later, and just like that, they're first place in the AFC South following a 20-7 a win over the Jaguars for their fourth straight win. What is the feeling in Houston right now as this team projects for the rest of the season? Um, I can't really speak for everybody, but for me, I mean, the first three weeks, you know, they always lose to New England. They lost to the Giants. They lost to... Tennessee, whenever uh, Marcus Mariota was benched for or was injured, Blaine Gabbard started and lost a 9-6 game to them. And, well, it just seems so long ago. But really what happened was they lost two one-possession games to two bad teams, and they, they won three one-possession games in a row against, uh, you know, two bad teams in Buffalo. And, man, it all, it all seems so long ago. Uh, they beat Buffalo, and they also beat Dallas, who's mediocre, and they won their first game against the Colts. And, and really the only kind of change was that they won close games that they were previously losing. Uh, last week was the first time they actually had, like, a dominant win. And they played Jacksonville's team that, once they go behind, uh, is very bad. And also, you know, Blake Borles fumbled the ball twice while scrambling, and that's uh, 10 points for Houston. That was really all they needed. And Jacksonville, they have zero you know, downfield threats. They're on their third left tackle. Uh, without Fournette, they don't have running backs that can carry the offense. And Bortles is the guy who can elevate the guys around him. And so whenever Houston plays teams that are you know, run heavy, like Jacksonville, like Buffalo, like Dallas, you know, they're, in really, they're in a really good spot because they can stop the run. They don't have to worry about teams spreading them out, attacking their secondary. And they can you know, win games like 20-10, 23-10, and those sorts of things. And so I don't, I don't really think like, the performance has changed all much. I just think that uh, they've been playing teams that kind of match up better and they've won close games. Sure. So let's get to those matchups here. First, Deshaun Watson absolutely lit lit the world on fire last year, quarterback. I'm not going to say he's been a disappointment this year. You may have more insight on that than me, but because last year's numbers were pretty hard to replicate. This year, 1,937 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions, quarterback rating of 89.9. What is the feeling on him this year? 
Yeah, last year he had a touchdown rate of 9.7%. It was the highest touchdown rate since Peyton Manning whenever he played for the Broncos that first year uh, when he was spectacular. And only him and Peyton Manning, Carson Wentz, have had touchdown rates greater than 9%. Going back to 1990, uh, before that, you have to go back to Ken Stabler for a quarterback with a 9% touchdown rate. And only, I think it was eight quarterbacks have had touchdown rates greater than 8% with a minimum of 150 throws. So, a lot of that touchdown stuff is just kind of regression to the mean. What happened last year wasn't going to happen again this year. Uh, I think Watson's been you know, good considering what he's been dealing with. The one, Bill O'Brien did a really bad job scheming the offense to start the year off. You know, he ran a really super cool offense last year with a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of options, a lot of zone reads, a lot of interesting play-action passes built off those that they used to throw the ball downfield, and the Wolfler especially. And this year they started off not with that offense. It was a lot of inside zone inside zone, third down shotgun, uh, incompletion punts. And then they changed things up against Indianapolis and scored 35 points and you know, won a close game in overtime. But it was the first time they actually used that offense. And since that's happened, you know, Watson played the Bills. He had his lung partially collapsed. He cracked some ribs. This last week, Jackson, he couldn't even fly there. He had to take a bus uh, because the the air pressure would have – you could possibly cause infections to his upper respiratory system. So he was able to even out to Jacksonville. And right now, after all the hits he's taken, they can't run that cool offense. They can't really use him as a runner at all anymore just because he's, you know, he's kind of broken. He's, you know, all hurt and in pain the way he is at the moment. And so with the offensive line, as bad as it's been, it's probably been the worst pass blocking line in football, depending on how you feel about Arizona, depending on how you feel about New York. And with offensive line issues they've had and the scheme issues that uh, Bill Bryant's kind of put him in to start the year off, I think Watson's been, you know, admirable. He's been confident. He's played well. The, really the only big issue he's had is the amount of turnovers he's had. But everything other than that, you know, he's been you know, very good. And I think the plan for Houston right now is just run the ball a lot, control the ball, play good defense, and wait for Miss Foley to get back to health. Right. And what a lot of Dolphins fans are thinking, too, is many people, myself included, and I think Paul, too, were extremely upset when Lamar Miller left a couple of years ago, really over a million or $2 million difference in where they were. I know Lamar Miller had a 100-yard game last week for the Texans. And how, what is the sense with Lamar Miller right now running the football and being that bell cow? Well, how much did he weigh when he played in Miami? Like He was like a 205-pound player, right? He was listed at like 220, but I don't believe that for a second. I mean, he was – I had a hard time believing he was 205 when he was here. Yeah, because I think what happened with Lamar Miller is they turned him from like a you know like getting 15 carries a game or 15 touches a game, being 25 touches a game, and they bolt him up. And he's gotten he's not like as dynamic and explosive as a player that he was in Miami. Is one of the problems. The other problem is they don't run the outside zone as often as they should. Uh, Houston had a lot of offensive line changes and kind of done a lot of different scheme changes. And for whatever reason they haven't been using that play as often as they as they probably should consider the offensive line that they have. And also, Lamar Miller's a great uh, one-cut-and-go runner. You don't want him running the tackles a lot. You don't want him, you know, as, as a vertical runner. You want him to be more lateral. You want him to get the ball in space more often. And Houston's just done a, a bad job doing that with him. And I also think that they had him, you know, gain weight and get stronger just so he could take on that load of, you know, 25, 30 touches a game compared to the 15 or so he got in Miami. Uh, other than that, you know, he's fine. He's been mediocre in Houston. Last week was the best game he's had since, like, week 16 
against the Colts going back to 2016. Uh, last year, you know, he had trouble reaching four yards to carry. Uh, I, I just think it's a bad circumstance for him. It's a bad setting for him. It really wasn't that good of a mesh of, you know, scheme and also the type of player he is. And I don't think he'll probably be here after this year. And the whole, the whole thing is kind of frustrating because he was a lot of fun watching Miami. He was, you know, dynamite there. Looking at the wide receiver unit here, obviously DeAndre Hopkins is one of those elite receivers, somebody you just hope to contain throughout a game. And Will Fuller's that second fiddle, catching more passes this year for him. It seems like the Texans have always struggled to find that third option. I mean, uh, Kiki Kute, I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying that name right. Looks like he's going to be out for this game. I know they were they were experimenting with Braxton Miller a little while ago, and they cut him. I think he's with the Eagles practice squad now. C.J. Fedorowicz at tight, at tight end had a career-ending injury. They have just never seemed to get that third option here. Who do you think is going to be that that three wide that third option in this game, other than Hopkins and Fuller? You know, I don't. I don't think one even exists. I think the third option is going to be Lamar Miller dump offs, uh, screen passes. Ryan Griffin was out last week, but he's a bad tight end. He's probably like the you know, 30-second best tight end in football. He can't block. He can't beat man coverage. He's only good at catching, like, four-yard passes in the flat and then getting open, you know, the seam against cover three. Uh, but Jordan Aikens and Jordan Thomas are the two rookie tight ends that both have played pretty well this year. I would expect for them to get more looks. And the other thing they did in last week's game was they put Tyler Irvin, which is the team's third running back. He's their punt returner. He's their kick returner, too. He played with a small receiver. He had one catch where he just kind of sat in the middle of the coverage and made a catch. But yeah, Kiki Cutie's the the new slot receiver. He's uh, he's really good because especially with Wolf Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, you have safeties who are kind of in the shade and roll over to the sideline. And the middle field's always open for Houston, just have the players who can take advantage of it. But Cutie's been the one guy who can actually beat man coverage at the slot position. And in addition to that too, he's you know, really fast and so they can use him in jet sweeps, they can use him in screens. And without him, you know, it's a big a big loss for Houston. Because he was the first slot receiver I think they really have ever had in franchise history. Take us on a tour of the defense here, Matt. Uh, you know, they got J.J. Watt back, and he's already got seven sacks in seven games. Jadavian Clowney had a big game last week with two sacks as well. At the beginning of the year, I was kind of looking at the Texans from afar, thinking, like, what the hell's going on? They got Watt back. They got uh, Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger in the offseason to play free safety. But I look at the points allowed, you know, 27 to New England, 20 to Tennessee, 27 to the Giants, 34 to the Colts. But it seems like they've really picked it up in the last couple of weeks. 16 points allowed to the Cowboys, 13 to the Bills, 7 to the Jaguars. Has it been a significant turnaround the last couple of weeks, or has it just been really the opponents they've faced? Uh, yeah, I think it's one of the opponents they face. You know, New England always – Place Houston, you know, great. Houston's never going to beat New England. And until it happens, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Uh, that Tennessee game, there was a fake punt that uh, kind of, you know, inflated that score a little bit. Against the Giants, the pass rush wasn't good yet. Watt was the only source of pass rush. Jadavion Clowney still wasn't, uh, still knocked the rust off. And they weren't getting any interior pressure with blitzes at all. And they're playing eight yards off the field. And Eli Manning had an 8% completion percentage of that game just by throwing crossing routes that were, you know, wide open because the quarterbacks were playing nine yards off the line. Uh, but, yeah, the last four weeks they've gone against teams that are predominantly run heavy. 
Houston has the second-best run defense in football by DBOA. Jadavion Clowney is pretty much unblockable. Watts, you know, so good at freelancing, and he's not swimming to make tackles for a loss. Zach Cunningham has been a great, like, chase tack- chasing tackler because of what they have, what he has in front of him. It's hard for offensive lines to, one, get vertical movement, and, two, you know, be able to peel off quick enough to get to Cunningham. I mean, R.J. McKinney's, you know, great at standing up offensive guards and centers and finding the football. And so teams just can't run on them at all whatsoever. And then when you take that way, you get more third down, longer third downs. And with Jadavion Clowney actually rushing the passer well, and with Romeo Canal switching to use him more as a stand-up inside blitzer at times to create interior rush has been super beneficial. And Wyatt has, uh, is, you know, he's 100% back, and he's doing things like being three blocks to, to sack the quarterback too. But I think, I think mainly whenever they play teams that are predominantly run-heavy or have to throw a lot of short, quick passes, to survive where Houston can play, you know, shorter zone coverages and not to, be, not to worry about getting beat deep. The, offense, the defense is going to be great. And so this week against Miami with uh, Oswaller as the quarterback, it's a lot of swing passes. It's a lot of screens. It's a lot of drags and slants and those sorts of routes. Without the threat of the deep ball at all, Houston should have a, a really good defensive game this week because they can play short zones and they can stop the run and rush the passer. So what do you think, in addition to that there, Matt, what do you think the Texans need to do to win on Thursday night? I mean, I think the biggest thing is to tackle well whenever they do make those throws. I don't know if Albert Wilson's going to be playing this weekend or not, but uh, he's a guy that you have to tackle immediately. Danny Amendola doesn't have, this, have the speed, but he's a good short route runner, and he's another guy who you have to you tackle right away. And the same thing with Kenny Stills as well, too. Uh, I think if Stills is able to – you know, catch one or two deep passes whenever Houston goes in a single safety set. And, you know, Oswald, that, his problem is whenever, you have, whenever he sees two safeties, he doesn't want to throw downfield at all. You know, I watched it happen for an entire year, and everything became, you know, four-yard, you know, slants, four-yard uh, kind of swing passes in the flats that were quickly extinguished. And so whenever he has a single match, safety matchups and he can throw in one or two you know, downfield passes, that might be all that's required with an offense that, can't really fully function because of injuries to Watson and the pass protection issues that they've had before. But if Houston stops the run, if they tackle well, if they're able to play in kind of short zones, I think they'll be fine. But really the thing is, like, they can't allow, you know, Oswald to make, you know, two or three deep downfield passes at all. Well, I've got real good news for you too, Matt. Um, Albert Wilson is going to be out this game, and Kenny Stills is, is going to be out this game too. So really- a lot of – yeah, also a lot of big uh, big things. Also, Amendola and Mike Gusecki, as we're recording this, did not practice either. So right now we're starting to think who the hell is going to line up at receiver throughout the week. But thank you for that breakdown of the Texans roster. So the question all of our listeners want to know, I believe the Texans right now are favored by six and a half points. What is your prediction for this Thursday night? Uh, six and a half is – Way too high because Houston can't really beat by about more than one score. I mean, they beat Jacksonville by that uh, by that mark last week, but a lot of it had to do with the Bortles turnovers. So as long as Oswald doesn't turn the ball over, which he's you know prone to do, I think that year in Houston he had I think he had 12 interceptions or 16 interceptions, and so if, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, Houston's gonna have trouble winning by more than seven points. But I think Houston wins, but I think it's gonna be a game where they stop the run. They, you know, do just enough two or three times, and they score, you know, 17 points or 20 points, and they win like 2013 or 2016 or 2010, something along those lines. 
Well, there it is. And one last question. Do you guys miss Brock Osweiler yet? Uh, no, but like, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I, not at all, but it's not like, whenever he was playing here, I was super mad because he, as bad as he was, you know, you waited three years for a quarterback to spell that money to get one and he was terrible. And now it's like, it's so long ago and that whole bad season happened. And, uh, you know, I, I wish the best for him. It took a second round pick to get rid of him and that whole sort of thing. But I don't miss watching him play. It was a, it was a wasted year, uh, having to watch him average four yards to pass attempt, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And we've been a little bit surprised by how he's played in these last two games, but there's a feeling with a lot of us that eventually he's going to revert back to that type of player too. So very good matchup here coming up on Thursday night. We're joined here by Matt Weston from the battle red blog. You can follow him at MBW987 on Twitter for a lot of good Texans information. You can also check out his article, The Six Keys. What's the name of the article, Matt? Uh, six Things to Watch For. Th- six Things to Watch For on the Battle Red blog. And, Matt, if we can return the favor, we would certainly love to do that, too, if your fan base is looking for some additional Dolphins insight as well. Thanks for joining us here tonight. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. You bet. And that'll do it for a breakdown of the Texan sideline with Matt Weston. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.